It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're all ready for more Sharks hockey. Yes, we get another 4 o'clock start this afternoon as the Sharks are in Toronto taking on the Leafs, and that means we get afternoon hockey. And if you're going to be driving home from work at that time, then you'll be able to listen right here on the Sharks Audio Network. Our pregame coverage starts at 3.30 live. And then, of course, uh, Dan Rusinowski will bring you the game at 4 o'clock again right here on the Sharks Audio Network. To talk about all things San Jose Sharks, we are now joined by Corey Massasak, who covers the Sharks for The Athletic. Corey, what's going on, man? How are you doing? All right. We are now joined on the Sharks Audio Network by Corey Massasak, who, of course, covers the Sharks for The Athletic. Corey, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing very well, man. Always happy to talk some Sharks hockey with you. And I, I wanted to start off by laughing as you've got a... Uh, an article out on the athletic about you know mike greer needing to you know turn his attention to the nhl draft with the way the sharks been playing and my favorite thing about the internet is that i can look at someone's comments on twitter and see that they clearly did not read the article they literally read the headline or whatever the tweet is and they have some retort to you and i'm like that isn't at all what the article is about and i as funny as it is for me it just must be hilarious for you well yeah i mean there's you know, look, look, there's, you know, I, you can look at someone's Twitter follower account and then know that, like, not all those people are going to be subscribed to The Athletic. So, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely there's definitely some of that, uh, um, you know, like and, and also, you know, if we especially if we use a headline that is like sort of kind of vague about what the article is about on purpose to get people to read it, uh, you'll you'll definitely see more of that on Twitter. It's just it cracks me up, man. Um but, it, you know, you bring up an interesting thing about, you know, wanting to figure out where the Sharks are and, you know, they have not been as good as they should be, which is interesting. Like, they've let a lot of points get away. Like, I can look at, you know, make an argument for 6 to 12, maybe even 14 more points they could have now that we can play the woulda, coulda, shoulda game as long as we want and not, um, you know, really come up with the correct answer because it's all make-believe. But, I mean, it, it's really weird. Like, I have no idea which Sharks team is going to show up in any game and that's not to say that their effort isn't there. Like, I always feel like they good, put out a good effort. But, like, last night they go in and they get a convincing win against Montreal, whereas they, against Vancouver, were just inconsistent and made some mistakes and then played the worst overtime period I've ever seen them play. Like, it's it's very confusing. Yeah, it's... I think the, I think the four or five games leading up to Montreal were probably a good... Um, kind of a barometer of where things were because like, okay, so they have the first few handful of games and they lose, you know, like they start out 0 and 5 and there's, you know, 11 different excuses for why that happened, but they're all just excuses. And yeah. as David Quinn has said 37 times this year, you are what your record is. No, and no one cares. So you get past that part, you play a stretch of, I think it was maybe 14 or 15 games where like they played well, like they, they looked like a good team for stretches of games for a few entire games 
and you get to the end of that stretch of 15 games and you're like, well, like this team is not, this team isn't that bad. Like they, maybe they're just not bad. Maybe they're not going to be a team that's fighting for a lottery spot at the end of the year, because they're just, you know, the, the, the star players are playing great. And like mm-hmm. some of the, and every now and then they get some contributions from other guys and the goaltending has been solid. But I think, I think what we've sort of maybe been doing because they started 0 five and because they've been chasing is like, everything is like, like you just said, there's a lot of ifs and buts and it's, and every, every, every sort of analysis of the team so far this season has been, you know, wow, man, like Eric Carlson has been amazing and Logan Couture scoring all these goals. And like, they're just, they're right there, but they're also, you know, going into last night, they were 31st in the league in the, in the standings and by points percentage. And so, you know, it's at some point, David Quinn is right. Your record is what you, your record is what you are. And so I think there were people who, you know, went into this season expecting the Sharks to be bad. And I think they have played better than most people expected them to, but the results just haven't shown up. And so, you know, at some point along the way here, regardless of, of how they're winning, and, and look, the, we, we, we might talk about this, the next stretch of six or seven games after tonight, uh, there are some winnable games on that schedule. So it might look a little different in a couple weeks from now. But I just think that over, overall, that sort of inconsistency thing is like, you know, people love to say there are no easy games in the NHL. Everybody's got good players. And that's true. And so like every team, even like outside of me, I mean, Anaheim has been really bad this year, but even like Columbus and Arizona and Chicago, they're bad, but they play well for 20 minutes a game or 15 mm-hmm. minutes a game or 40 minutes in one game and they win. And it's, so it's like, Oh, Hey, maybe they're, maybe they're not that bad. I, I just think that, in general, I would imagine that one of the takeaways for the front office so far is that like, hey, you know, David Quinn has helped the best players on this team play up to their potential. And that's good. But also this team isn't good enough. And so if that's the case, then that's sort of where my story that I wrote that you mentioned comes into play. Like it basically, I think the biggest question for the front office over the next month or so or month or two is not like can this team make the playoffs, but maybe is it, do they think they can try to just sort of make some tweaks and get better for next year, make some minor tweaks and trade a few players away at the deadline, but then makes maybe overhaul some things in the off season and get better. Or is this really still looking like a two to four, five year project where if that's the case, then there are some bigger pieces that might be in play. Well, that's, that's where I kind of get a little bit lost is because the sharks aren't, quote unquote that bad like I understand their record is what it is but they're not routinely getting like skated off the ice they're not just like completely outclassed in most games and like there is the risk of them doing well over these next couple of games because I want to say they're only like five points out of the final wild card and not that I think that this should be a push to get in the playoffs at all at all costs but like it's a tough tightrope to walk for David Quinn like he's trying to improve this team does improvement necessarily behoove where the Sharks are going I mean that's yeah and and that's that's where the real question is and like that's why I've I've been watching this and I've been wondering like is there going to be a shakeup is somebody going to be benched is somebody going to be traded like what what happens next and I think it's it's a very I mean, I don't think David Quinn should be worried about his job security or anything like that because that would be remarkably short-sighted and he came into a situation knowing that it was not tenuous, but it was not going to be easy. But 
the Sharks, and this sounds weird to say, but like they are in danger of being in a playoff spot, which is, again, not a bad thing at all. But at the same time, we know that this team, it feels like it needs more than a few tweaks to get back to the glory days of what they had previously. Yeah, I mean, look, I think <clears throat> one thing that I've noticed is that there are, you know, some of the most vocal fans have been very adamant about, like, they should be, you know, they should be Tank tanking for right now. They, they, they should have been, they should have been tanking from opening night. Right. And, and so I like, no, I mean, that's one of the things I think that I have like a part two to what I wrote that's coming out probably tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, that kind of, a, kind of sort of addresses that a little bit. Like there's just, there's just no, like even in the, you look at the, like the NBA, like the NBA has this kid coming who's going to be like, you know, arguably the best prospect since LeBron, one of yeah. like the three or four best prospects of all time. He is whoever gets him will become a team that could win the NBA finals in three or four years. Like he's that transformative of a prospect. Nobody in the NBA is tanking right now. I mean, there, there are teams that teams set their rosters over the summer to make it look like they're trying to go for the first pick and they are, but nobody is nobody's sitting out their best players. Mm-hmm. Like team teams will do that in the NBA. Eventually the teams at the bottom of the standings, they will start sitting their best players. They will, you know, guys will get quote unquote hurt and they'll miss three months. They'll do things to actively tank, but there it's only 20 games into the season. However, they're not doing that right now. And that, that does not happen in the NHL. I I think I mentioned that in the story, like David Quinn is not going to tank the sharks. No, like the thing. And, and, and at this point, the front office doesn't want to either. They've, they've, they made it pretty clear before the season. Like they want to give this group a chance to succeed if they can and through 25 games they haven't but that doesn't mean that after game 26 it's time to just sell the farm i think they are going to get i I asked uh david about it after the last home game and i think he even his his uh response was pretty illuminating he said look if we're in this position in i think he said like in six weeks or two months then he knows that there's going to be change like i think they all know like logan talked about it today with the toronto media like these guys know that if they don't win more games over the next month or two, that the team is going to get, some guys are going to get traded before the deadline. And I think it's just going to be a matter of, will it be like the pending unrestricted free agents or will there be more wholesale changes with an eye towards, you know, the next three to five years? Because as we said, like, I, I do think that like, uh, you know, whether it's the way that David Quinn coaches them or, their own personal, you know, improvement or whatever the, I mean, the fact that the, the best players on this team are playing really well is like, it's something it's, it's like, it is, it is a thing that like, if you look back at last year, the team was by the end of the year, they were kind of getting their doors blown off a lot. And it was, and it was, you know, the rest of the roster wasn't good enough, but the the best players were were either injured or not performing to the level that they had before either. So um, yeah, I I do think like, it's going to be, it's definitely, like you said, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a needle to thread for a while here, but like, I, I do think that so far you, you know, like my, I mean, my career hasn't talked to the media a lot since the season started or really at all, but I think his, what he said before the season, um, you know, without the, you know, he, he wasn't doing the whole like playoffs or bus thing or whatever. No. And I, and I think that the actions, the, his actions so far, which have been to not, call up William Eklund or Tomas Bordalo because the team couldn't score for a couple of weeks oh, and not like he, like, he, I don't think he's actively trying to, um, you know, squeeze a couple extra points here and there out of the, I, I think he's just sort of letting this group do what they can 
and then he's going to make some decisions eventually just not as maybe you know like so we started this answer like they weren't going to do that after five or ten games into the season so while we do look at this sharks team and what they are up to this point why are they six and five on the road and a two-win team at home out of 14 games i mean that there are certain things that make and do not make sense to me. That does not make sense to me. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I was thinking about that a lot yesterday because like, it seems pretty clear that the two best games they've played this year were in Philly and in Montreal. And some of that might just be that those two teams are bad. Um, and now they're not, they're not, you know, I shouldn't say they're, they're like just outright bad. Montreal has actually had a pretty surprising start to the season, mm-hmm. but they're again, there's, those are teams that if, you know, I, I think the best way to put it for, is with, with the Sharks is like they have a handful of players playing really well, but the roster as a whole, like if they don't, if things don't go, like they, they don't have, they just have no margin for error. I think that's the right, the right phrase. They have very little margin for error on any given night. So like the games that they have won, like they've played really well. It feels like they've played really well. And you're like, oh man, this team plays really, played really well tonight but like they needed to do that just to win like a three, two game or a four, three game. And, mm-hmm. and if it's not, if everything isn't firing on all cylinders, they lose. And so I think that, you know, some of that, is, I, that, I, I think that general, you know, whether that happens on the, on the road or at home, I'm not really sure how much of that plays into. I, I know, I know there's always this like sort of an kind of a narrative in the NHL where if a team has a bad home record and a good road record that they say, well, like, you you go on the road and you kind of like get this like bunker mentality and you just do all you play the right way and you play it you get the puck out whenever you're supposed to and you don't make mistakes whereas whenever you're at home you're trying to show off your fans i i don't know i i think they've played so that i i mean i don't know i don't think they've played discernibly worse at home maybe with a couple of exceptions but i also think if you just look at the schedule they've played a lot of good teams at home too like they played carolina at home they played toronto at home they played uh, Vegas at home, Tampa. Yeah, like I mean, some of that is just the, I think it's just been the schedule. That's fair. I mean, it's it's it is it's a difficult thing to see on paper, but yeah, when you break it down in terms of the scheduling difficulties, and then also one of those was in Prague, a quote unquote home game. There there are multiple factors. Um, you know, we've heard the stories that like, well, everybody but Hurdle is potentially on the block. What? Why wouldn't you want to keep a Timo Meyer around? Because it seems that if this is a another two seasons before they are good, you would still have prime Timo Meyer and prime Tomas Hurdle together ostensibly. Why would that not be part of the plan, I guess? Or, or, you know, and obviously we don't know how much hyperbole is beyond that statement that we've heard reported upon as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that Timo is the biggest decision and is sort of the, the, the pivot point between what I was writing about a couple of days, like two days ago or yesterday. Um, you know, if you, if you think, if you're, if the, if this front office thinks that they're not that far away, then like retaining Timo Meyer becomes like the highest, like a significant priority. Um, like you sign him for whatever it costs and you figure out the rest. Uh, and I, and I, and honestly, I, I sort of, I felt that way before they signed hurdle too. Now this was a, obviously the front office has changed. So, that's part of why this is a, a murkier situation. But like to me, even back then, it was you either sign both of them or you sign not, neither of them because um, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to pick one but not the other. Um, now that might be a little bit different if 
they like like I said, I, I think it just goes back to like, does the front office think they can win soon? And if that's the case, then you probably do want to try to keep Meyer. But if they don't think they can win very soon, then getting you know Meyer is the one guy on the team that you can really get something significant for. Now I w- yeah. I would not trade I would not trade Timo Meyer for you know a first round pick and a you know kind of a you know B or C level prospect and maybe like a conditional fourth round like just some sort of like I think I think they will not I think they will need a, a significant offer for him. But if you like he, he is he's technically not a UFA this year. He's an RFA with one more year. So whoever right, yeah. whoever whoever does trade for him would get it is the whole they get two playoff runs with him. So like you should be able to get more for him than just your normal, Hey, he's the best forward on the market. So you get a first round pick and you know, a guy who might be a second or third pairing defenseman. Like I think you should probably get a first round pick and a real either young NHL player or real impact player. And then at that point you put that player with Eklund and Bordalo and you go with your guy who you're probably going to get near the top of this draft. And then suddenly, and then maybe it's somebody at the top of next year's draft. And then suddenly there's your core for the next, you know, eight to 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it, but that, the, but the thing about this is like, it always, it always looks so good on paper until, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, the prospect has the career altering injury or something like that. And like, that's where is where like Timo Meyer is a relatively known entity. And I am, and I don't know if this makes me conservative or not, but I am a, big believer in known entities over unknown prospects. Yeah, and I think there's obviously the other half of this is um you know Timo has to want to stay. <laughs> right? I mean that, that's an obvious uh like he he is now at the point given the season that he had last year and the season that he is currently having, I think he can pretty much there are there you know there are there would be if he if if the you know if he was able to go to market this summer, there would be plenty of teams lining up for his services and he would sort of be able to pick and choose his where do I want to live? Is the team good or is the team bad? And so he would be, he would have a lot of leverage in that situation. So I I think like, you know, uh, there, I think there's, there's like a right number for everybody. Like, I I think if, I think if, 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 if they're, if if the sharks have a number in mind right now, or they were like, Hey, if, if Timo would accept the, an eight year offer at this number, we would sign him yesterday. Mm -hmm. But that number is probably not very close to what Timo is thinking Timo and his agent think he can get on the open market right now. So there's, you know, that the, otherwise that deal would have already be done. So, you know, I, I just, I just think that you have to like, like, a, I, I, I totally see the argument that like he is a known quantity and elite player. And there are other areas of this team where they can shed some salary and also the cap is supposed to go up over the next couple of years again, finally. And so there's a way to make it work where you can keep Timo Meyer for the next eight years, uh, still have, you know, may, maybe even still do some more remodeling slash rebuilding over the next year or two, and then still have him, you know, at 29, 30, you know, still being a very productive player at a number that's good for the team. And then by then some of the other contracts will be gone and you can sort of build around Timo Meyer and, William Eklund and the 2023 pick and the 2024 pick and in that sort of way. But I, it's just, I, I do think that it will be hard for them to, depending on what the offers are again, if, 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 if it, I think if there's a, if there's a really good offer out there for a really good young player and a first round pick and, and maybe a couple other things, it'll be hard to, if he, if they're not sure if they can resign him to, to say no at this point. Corey, always a pleasure. My friend uh, have a, a great afternoon and I will see you at the tank soon. All right. All right. Sounds good. Thanks.
Again, that is Corey Massasak of The Athletic, and we are just out of time. Again, our pregame coverage starts at 3.30, and then game time, 4 o'clock, right here on the Sharks Audio Network, as it is San Jose in Toronto. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify, and on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app, presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.